0: morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. And today we have a guest, Karen Barnes from the North Bay Animal
1: Hospital. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Karen, we asked you to come back. There's quite a few, uh, there are quite a few things we want to talk to you about today. Um, but because it's the month of December, um, we want to start with um, pet hazards around the Christmas holidays.
2: Ooh, good idea.
1: And then we're going to move into pet connectivity for people who want to stay for the second part of the show. All right. um, And how we connect to our pets and the value of all of that stuff. But um, now when we talk about hazards for pets around the holidays, can you touch a little bit about like dogs, cats, maybe I don't know if there's other ones you want or if those are the two main those... ones you find that can create a problem in a family.
2: Yeah probably because they're the okay. the other pets that we might have are usually contained so the small rodents and birds and things. Oh well, birds could get into things as well I guess if we had them out but primarily dogs and cats. So some of the some of the holiday hazards that you might want to be a bit watchful of. There are some poisonous plants like the poinsettia. Poinsettia has little spicules in the uh, leaf of the plant that can be very irritating uh, in the mouth and cause a lot of a lot of trauma in there. Uh, so, some other things, uh, cats love anything dangly and of course there's a lot of dangly things on your Christmas tree including tinsel and sometimes they will play with that and then ingest it. And that can cause a, a lot of irritation in the intestinal tract and sometimes actually cause a blockage in there. So that you have to be very careful with.
1: Uh, so how would that present for the cat then?
2: Uh, usually a cat who's vomiting, uh, who, is, who is very painful in the abdomen and, uh, and can't, can't pass anything. So a cat that usually has a, a gastrointestinal upset and is uncomfortable.
1: Okay. And we don't have cats. That's why I asked that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, or if you're a first time cat owner, excuse me. Um, I'm just curious as to how a cat presents or shows or a dog Mm -hmm. that they have a sore stomach or Mm -hmm. that they can't pass. So it would be a lack of bowel movement.
2: Yeah. Hunched position, not eating. Uh, most people can tell when their animals are uncomfortable. They have a, a sort of a sullen kind of wincing expression on their face. They don't want to interact with people. Uh, spending more time sleeping. Um, I guess the other little point about tinsel, which is hopefully not too indiscreet, but sometimes the tinsel will make it all the way to the outside, but only partially. Do not pull that. Um, you can cut it, but don't pull it because you don't know how far up that tinsel is going. And if you pull, you may accordion some of the intestine. So if if you see a piece dangling out. Uh, just cut it. Don't pull it.
0: That was actually going to be my question because I remember very early on when we took Parker in for his first examination. He's a chewer, mm-hmm. and he there are a lot of ropey toys, mm-hmm. and I think he made the same comment that they can ingest the rope and then have a very difficult time. And if there's a little bit at you know in the, at the outside, not to pull. Yeah, don't. So pull. Same,
2: same goes. Yep, same principle. Um, other things that are related to the season, uh, we're often having lots of people over to the house, and we're making sure our, our Uh, Front step is uh, not slippery for people putting out salt. Salt can be uh, really irritating to feet on dogs and uh, if it's ingested can cause some stomach upset too. So there are pet-friendly products that you can purchase uh, maybe at your veterinary clinic or at the pet store. So make sure you use a pet-friendly product on your drive and on your walk. So when you're, when you're referring to being ingested,
0: are you also talking about the fact that they lick their paws? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily head down licking
2: the steps. No, they may not be licking the steps. They may be licking their feet because their feet are, because their feet are irritated.
1: Would the feet also turn like a pinky color Mm -hmm. or anything? They can get
2: really irritated and ulcerated. They can be quite uncomfortable on them. Um, Chocolate. Uh, So uh, generally milk chocolate isn't toxic, but uh, dark chocolate in uh, large quantities, depending on the size of the animal, uh, can uh, cause an increase in heart rate, diarrhea, a high respiratory rate, can be overstimulating and uh, basically toxic. Uh, you know, I get people calling me, they have an 80-pound lab that's eaten a dairy milk bar. Well, that's not going to be a problem. But if you had a little chihuahua that ate a huge piece of dark chocolate, that could be a, a problem. So it's all, it's relative uh so keep the chocolate out of reach that's a a good rule of thumb cats generally don't like chocolate so uh they're less likely to get into it i knew i didn't like cats for a reason (laughs) (laughs) poor
0: cats (laughs) i'm just teasing um and you also mentioned uh feeding feeding our
2: animals so uh, our pets are part of our family and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later Uh, but and we want to include them in the celebration so oftentimes we overindulge and that may mean lots of doggy treats and raw hides and things for our dogs. Or it may mean leftovers, leftover turkey and gravy, so they can be part of the celebration. Uh, b- but although that might go in quite nicely on Christmas Day, it might come out a little messy on Boxing Day. So, so same uh, for humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just be cautious. Just, you know, a little bit of a treat, a couple cookies or something is fine. Don't let them eat the whole box and, and try to avoid yeah. the human food.
1: Oh, I was just going to
2: say, when you say cookies and all of this, Karen, you, you're referring to the,
1: to an actual dog treat. Yeah. But I also know a lot of people that will give table scraps, and you know we don't give anything to Parker because he can only eat kangaroo food. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets zero Um, but lots of people give them the human food at that time of year as well.
2: Yeah. And if they're, if they're not used to it and and look at the foods that we're eating, they're usually pretty rich. Turkeys are pretty rich meat. Gravy's got a lot of fat in it. You know, our mashed potatoes that we made up probably have lots of butter and milk in them. So there's a lot of things that they aren't used to digesting and, uh, and maybe unpleasant, uh, as they, as they process that. So, uh, just be wary. Good. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Thank you for doing that. No
1: problem. Um, when you and I chatted, I thought it might be um, good for people to hear from a veterinarian because sometimes um, we can get family squabbles going in <laughs> <at> Christmas time. <laughs> that's true. And they can be over you, the pets. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that will be one last. <laughs> one last, maybe. Uh, for, for people to, to, um, to squabble over. Let's move into another topic, if that's good for you sure. now. Okay. Well, it, this began think a week or two ago hey eh, Karen mm-hmm. when um you and I were chatting and we were talking about the importance of um of pets in our lives and upstairs right before the show started um you started talking a little bit about history and how civilization has changed so why don't we go to your
2: history lesson first okay <laughs> a little bit of a segue so these are just some thoughts I, I got thinking about our topic and and thinking about where uh where we have come to with respect to the human animal bond at this point in in history in our society and and where we were maybe two three four hundred years ago uh, way back when animals were important utilities in our lives so they horses were our mode of transportation dogs lived with us primarily uh, in a working capacity either on the farm helping with livestock or and for hunting uh, cats were uh, important on the farm for rodent control and only the elite uh, really had the luxury of having animals as companions and pets Um uh, the rest of the rest of society was busy worrying about the necessities in life, including shelter and food and you know what was going to happen tomorrow and how to look after the family uh, and Those priorities didn't leave a lot of emotional energy or physical energy for looking beyond those needs. Now we live in in a society where we're we're very lucky that generally most of us have those needs met um, we have shelter we have food. Uh, we also have the luxury of, in Canada, of a healthcare system, education, a social net for people that uh, are don't have um, the opportunities to look after themselves. There are still ways for us as a society to look after them. So not only are we able to now have the the emotional and physical energy to look after other people in our society, we can think beyond that and think about uh, our relationship with our own animals. Uh, our pets and the animals in our lives and then that expands into animals in general so animals in the wild uh, uh compassion for them and what their needs are and then also for other sentient um beings that live in our world which may include uh insects bees for instance um the forest uh so so we we're very privileged right now to to be able to have uh all the all the things we need to think beyond just ourselves and as a result we've we've been able to use to develop relationships with our animals on a very personal level uh because we have uh the time and the energy to do that love it i love your
1: tirade <laughs> i love your history lesson it, 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 you said it beautifully and eloquently and it, it it's captivating because you, you took us you took us through history and, and you, you you took the, the pets and the animal relationship from one of necessity mm-hmm. to one of awareness and in and in allowed us to think about that so that when we reach down to pet them or or um, watch them fly in their cage or whatever it is, everyone's got different pets, um, that we get to see them. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about how we see them differently. Yes. We're talking about now that we're using more of our senses. We're engaging more of our senses in the relationship with them.
2: That's right. So
1: we're now, instead of just seeing them as something to serve our purpose, we're seeing them um, as beings. That's right. And, And we're seeing them that they have emotions, that they have intelligence, and that they're literally part of a family unit now. And hopefully, if we're in healthy family units, we see them too. That's right, other beings, the, mm-hmm. the humans, um, but now we're also engaging in what do they feel, what do they think, um, do they know what I'm thinking and feeling, and that that our pets are representing that? They're showing it back to us now. They show
2: us emotions. that's right, and and decades ago, we we as humans couldn't entertain that as a possibility right? We called that anthropomorphism. We thought, we said that was putting human traits onto animals. And, and now we've moved into an era where we, we don't just consider this as a possibility. We understand this. And then we look for it elsewhere too, which is really interesting.
1: Oh, Karen, I love it because the Mayo Clinic on their website has a whole area for pets. Oh, really? Yeah. And well I did a little homework here, girl. Oh good work. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I went on and I researched places that would be science based. Um, for those of the listeners that, you know, like that 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 pull into the conversation that something's scientifically proven or that medicine is engaging in it. So now we've got pets in hospitals yes. and in nursing
0: homes. We also have them in universities. Yes, I am um, one of my very favorite clients is away at university in her second year, and she's struggling hugely with anxiety. And she, I've given her permission to text me just weekly to sort of um, keep her connected and, and grounded. But she texts me picture that she's in a puppy room. Mm-hmm. That it's it's an anxiety relief period that mm-hmm. they can just kind of wander in and care for the dogs mm-hmm. and let the dogs care for them. Yeah. I have a client as well who's off to
1: university for the first time at 17 years old this year. And um, she has a therapy dog with her because she has seizures. Mm-hmm. So she is able, because of the dog, to continue and move into education.
2: Isn't that wonderful? So
1: here are these beautiful animals who went out to just, you know, chase the sheep and, you know, take care of the farm, as you were saying, mm-hmm. and all of these things. And they're actually being used now in different ways to help prolong life, Mm -hmm. to rehabilitate. Remember, I was telling you, I had a young man yesterday Mm -hmm. who just came out of rehab therapy, drug and alcohol addictions, and um, suicidal um, thoughts and attempts. And his spirit guides were coming through to suggest that he get a pet. And that the pet, the reason, and this is what I like, remember, I, I was saying to you, They said to him that he needed a pet, and they suggested the dog, or a dog, that species, um, and that he needed to be in training, and that he needed the training because it would provide him with structure, and that he needed the structure, he needed the reason to get up, the reason to do the walks two to three times a day, he had to feed another thing, he had to bathe it, wash it, care for it, to help him learn to do it for himself every day. And that he and the emotional stuff as well, but that in the dog training and boy Kelly and I can speak to this from Aaron's Canine Academy in North Bay and Chip Keen, the uh, and Eric, um, they break down process for you, so he needed assistance in being able to see a bigger goal in his life, and to break it down into all of the smaller tinier pieces and achieve it and see the success, but that if he had a dog to do it with he would actually be able to feel the reward. He would be able to bond with the dog and understand then how to apply it in his own life. That's very cool.
0: I think what I'm hearing, um, based on your history lesson, I'll call it, and then, and then Karen, what you've added as well, is that like ourselves as humans, we have um, allowed a dog's purpose to, um, or potential to expand. You know, if, we're, if we also were just focused on necessities and a dog was a necessity and, and now their purpose has become bigger. And I love that.
2: That's a, I, I like that point and and these these dogs that are used for therapy dogs think how closely they have to be bonded with that person to be able to pick up that that person's going to have a seizure or that person's on the verge of having um uh some sort of an anxiety attack right the, the connection that has to exist between that person and that animal uh is is very uh it's a subtle connection but it's a very profound connection
0: and I think if we are, like you're saying, mom, in tune enough, we can thank them for yeah. fulfilling that purpose. I know last week I had a massive anxiety attack at two in the morning, but I woke up before the attack really hit me or I knew what was going on. Parker was on the floor, jumped on the bed, laid on my stomach. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was able to actually start to release mm-hmm. and to cry. And he just laid over top of me like that was his only job. He had one job and that allowed me to do mine.
2: Mm hmm isn't that wonderful and so i mean that's part of the the beauty of the human animal bond you can just from my own personal experience i've had lots of animals in my life some animals i've i've been attached to but some animals i've been there's been a um a a deeper connection to right it's every animal serves a different purpose in your life and oh please pause (laughs) Oh Karen,
1: I know you have so much going on in your brain that's fabulous, and you're going to share it in a second. But I need for some people to hear that because we're afraid of replacing. We've talked about this oh, before. Yeah. Some people are so afraid of replacing a pet, and they and some people jump too quick to do it a little bit. But you know, everyone we'll all learn our lessons but people need to hear when you say that they each have a different purpose. It doesn't mean you're trying to replace something. No.
2: And I think that's, people feel guilty sometimes when they're, when they're even considering, they call replacing a pet that they've lost, but it's never going to be the same pet as I always try and tell people. You're, You're going to get a pet and it's going to have a different purpose. It's going to be a different animal. You're going to have a different experience. It's, it's not going to be like you're trying to um, re- replace the dog that you've lost. It's a n- it's a whole new experience.
1: Well, it has to be because we change, right? We're humans. We're we, we change, and so each of our friends have to change with us too. That's right. And w- sometimes we lose friends, and we have to create new ones because we're changing. And I think that can be parallel to the pets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love how you said it though that that they each come with a different purpose, mm-hmm. and hopefully. Well, I think
2: synergetically, they get that. Those pets, they know that they've got a different purpose. That's right. Yeah. And you have a different purpose for them than you might have had for the dog before or the dog before or the cat or the horse or whatever. Your purpose for them is different. Um, although there's always love in there, mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where I was going with that now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, we were talking about uh, our, connect- oh, our connection with pets. Oh, just that the, uh, I've had different pets and, and been di- had different levels of connection with them, and that they all came for a different purpose in my life at a different time. Oh, hmm. I'm almost ta- there.
1: <laughs> Can it help if I ta- if I mention Aurora?
2: Oh well yeah well so that's the uh, i mean i the the, the deepest um human animal connections i have had have uh, been with horses and with one horse in particular um and that was a, a horse that passed away fairly recently we've talked about her a little bit in other podcasts uh but, but that connection made me realize uh if she was very in tune to me my emotions and and me to her i could see i could tell subtle differences in her that would tell me whether she was uh well or unwell what what she felt like doing that day because hey i'm i'm riding my horses in a partnership here it's not a dictatorship and uh and i listen to them as much as they listen to me about about what we're going to work on today how you're feeling what kind of warm-up we need uh what we're going to be working on depending on on uh your level of energy and uh what kind of well, I, I get a feeling from my horses about where they're at when I'm working with them.
1: Um, did she know your personality that yeah,
2: day? Yes, she, well, she knew. She knew my personality all the time. So if I was having a bad day, um, her her horsey equivalent of a hug would be to uh, walk up to me, put her head on my shoulder, and rest her weight on there. And and that for me was was like a human hug. And she would sit there as long as I needed her to sit there. Uh, in contact with me and heart to heart basically physically
0: she'd sit there as long as you needed her to yeah I'm I'm this is really fun my mom taught me that when I was away at university that she would hug me and she would wait till you feel the other person sort of release and be ready to let go she believed that the mom lets the child leave the hug first and you're saying that a horse taught you that lesson yeah I think that's so fucking cool (laughs)
2: Well, we've, Karen and I have talked a lot about Aurora, and, and uh, uh, as much as I was her caregiver, she was my caregiver too.
1: Oh, I love every one of your statements. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I want to go, hey guys, hey, hey, if you're, if you're taking a sip of your tea or your coffee or your water right now, did you hear that? Yeah. You know, I hope people really enjoy this one, because you're talking about
2: how much they
1: give back.
2: Oh, for sure. If you've had a bad day, Kelly was talking about this. You had a you had a bad night. Um, who can you go to that you reliably know is going to give you the comfort back? Uh, is is probably your pets, right? I own a Great Dane right now who um, uh, came to me through an unfortunate circumstance, and as a result, he's an incredibly grateful dog. So he is incredibly grateful of of the kindness and love that we offer him in our home and uh, if I've had a bad day he's glued to my side he knows that I just need him there just just his body just his energy in contact with my energy and and that can sometimes bring my we'll call it my vibration right my anxiety vibration about something that's gone poorly or I'm having some frustration with it can bring it down a notch.
1: Um. I think that's super important. We've always been able to focus on in our family uh, because there are lots of anxiety issues in this family. When you have a group of people with the level of gifts that we have, anxiety is through the roof. Mm -hmm. So we would always be able to ask each other, if it's at a 10, what do you need to get to a Mm nine? Because sometimes just going from a 10 to a nine is significant. Mm -hmm. And one notch might be the goal for the day. So it wasn't to take you from a, you know, like from a, t- and it wasn't drug related. This was something we were committed to, I'll say doing, um, uh, through listening to each other, through being with each other, through music, mm-hmm. through talking, through silence, um, through petting our pets, going for walks, figuring mm-hmm. out what to do mm-hmm. through all, through the layers of anxiety, um and you're referring to the fact that and uh, the and the conversation around that energetically or, or synergetically or whatever we want to talk about vibrationally our pets connect to us we connect to each other but sometimes the conversation is it seems more open for some people when it's about the connection with their pet it's like they seem to
2: they seem to get it a little bit more i think you well i think you put up less of a wall too when it's your pet maybe there's less there's less politics, there's less, uh, (laughs) right. There's less background. There's, uh, there's certainly no judgment. Well, there's no judgment, right? So yeah, that's right. So, so you can, you can just, when they come come and give you that, uh, attention, you can, you can melt into it without feeling you have, you've put your barriers down and you're, you've made yourself vulnerable.
1: Well, yeah, because you might think that all they want from you is to be fed and walked and petted. Mm-hmm. And the humans want more from you. Mm-hmm. So here's one healthy relationship. Um, and and for, I would imagine for some people, it is the only healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. So for some people, I think they do prefer their pets more than their humans. Mm-hmm. And Kelly and I have mentioned that in some podcasts. We know that. And, and we know the
2: reason why and, and the importance of it. Well, life's difficult, right? No, 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 what's that saying? Nobody gets through life unscathed or whatever. Every, you, every person you look at is dealing with something. It might be something small. It might be something big. But there's always... There are very few people that get through life without some sort of difficulty or tragedy. Uh, there's always things going on every day. There's change. There's conflict. There's challenge. Everything. And, and to have something that someone, your pet, who you can go to has they have, they have no concept of that they have no um what's the right word uh, preconception of 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 what you're dealing with they just know that you're dealing with it and they can come to you uh, fairly open minded and be there for you and i think as people we appreciate that, that that they're not coming to to us with their own agenda uh they're just coming to us because we're part of their family
1: mhm I remember in uh, one treatment, a man who'd passed said that um, his um, his pets helped him know what he felt.
2: Oh, that's interesting. And that
1: he, because of the way that he had been raised um, and the way that he had been, um, I'll say experienced life, um, he'd shut down. And he got married and had children, but he'd shut down. Um, and he found it difficult to to connect to his wife or to the kids. Um, and it wasn't Asperger's or anything like that that was chemical or the way he was born. It was life. It was situational things. And um, he said that when he, when he saw the way that his pets behaved, um, he knew what he was feeling. Because if they were happy, he'd go, yep, 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 I'm happy. But if the, the pets kind of moved away and were grumpy, he'd go, yep, me too. Me too. Mm. And then he started realizing, yep, yeah, me too, meant he started realizing, geez, <laughs> these pets are reflecting my feelings all the time. Is this just a coincidence or is this actually spot on? And he said, he, he commented to his wife. He came through and apologized to her. That was part of her session wow. was that he knew that in his life that she didn't resent the pets she started to recognize that when the pets behaved a certain way, that was what her husband was feeling. So it opened a conversation. She knew how to approach him. She knew what he was feeling. Hmm. And he came through to thank her for that. Oh, that, nice. that she was willing to allow the pets to be that strong in their relationship and in their family. That's great.
0: Yeah. 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 I had one woman who had multiple pets, and like cats and dogs and different different species. And um, she, we channeled most of them. I think there were about six or seven. And the personalities come through. Sometimes they don't always tell me they're an animal right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so she's sitting in the chair, and I was channeling a, a couple of them, and they had identified themselves already. And then her husband came through and said his name, and then and then identified himself as a dog. And I said. Why is your dog calling himself your husband? And she goes, "Well, of all my pets, he was my partner." Aww. And so the pets amongst themselves knew that he not that he was the favorite, but that he was the partner. Yeah. And that the rest of them were pets. Yeah. And I just thought that like there was a mutual respect amongst all of them, all of the animals, to know to know their place or know their their purpose. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely remarkable. Speaking of which, a eh, Karen and Kelly. There, there
1: are so many people that are either married or single, whose
2: spouse is the pet. Oh, for sure. My great. My staff calls my great dane my spousal substitute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right out there. <laughs> I know. He's always with me. You know, he's always in the in the truck with me, and yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but but. In, That's okay.
1: Well, and the reason I'm saying that is because if someone is at home and um, that is them, it's nice to hear it. It's just nice to hear that they're not the only ones, that this is something that's a real thing, that our pets are are our spousal substitutes. and. Um sometimes we see that tremendously when a, spouse, a a human spouse passes away. Oh,
2: absolutely.
1: And whether the person's old or not, sometimes we associate that with just the movie where we go out and get grandpa or, or grandma a, a dog or a cat when when someone the, their spouse passes. But that's not true. It can be of all ages. That's right. That well, the pet comes along to um provide that as you said earlier to provide that love but
2: it's the companionship sure it's all those things you talked about it's the love it's the companionship it's it's the routine i've got to get up this morning because um hunter's got to go for a walk you know um it, it's it's um, having someone to talk to if you live by yourself i don't know i don't know about you guys but i talk to my pets a lot
0: like I talk to myself a
2: lot, <laughs> um, and I don't live
0: alone. We talk to dead people a lot. Oh, yeah, well, like, Karen, we have a
2: list. Yes. <laughs> You're just don't, talking don't all the time. Don't you dare try one of us. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, they're just there to have a conversation with. Like, oh, look who's, who's out on the road uh, taking their bike out on a cold day like this. You know, there's someone there to talk to. Or uh, What are we going to have for lunch? Let's look in the fridge. Uh, and they're there to listen. So it's a, it's, there's a lot of, uh, good reasons for people who live alone to consider having an animal. Um, and, and,
1: uh, like some, I do do some home visits, Mm -hmm. um, for people that, um, are bedridden Mm -hmm. and, um, I think, you know, a couple in particular where they have pets Mm -hmm. and, um, where, home care workers come in and out during the day and the family members themselves are gone because they have their careers in school and stuff. So there might be one family member who spends their life in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll say to a good degree, I know they do get out, but uh, 90% maybe or more. um, And that the pet then becomes their main person that they attach to. Mm -hmm. Because the pet, the other humans come and go, the home care workers come and go. But the the pet is the consistent mm-hmm. in the home, it's the
2: constant. That's right. Oh
1: my goodness! And it's just incredible. And everybody around, all those workers know that if the dog's on the bed, you don't do this. If the dog's on the floor, you do that. It's like the dog communicates for the nonverbal person.
2: Oh, isn't that lovely? And
1: there again, it's just an incredible story of how connected they are, mm-hmm. and not just to that one person, but how all of the people then that are coming in and out of that home. All have the connectivity to that pet as well, mm-hmm. that in turn connects them to the person who can't communicate.
2: The dog's the translator. Yes. Yeah.
1: A- and when they let me in once a month for an hour, Karen too. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> However, I'm just saying the pet is on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm.
2: So there's a dog doing a job, right? Um, willingly, lovingly, but doing a job and uh actually this just brings up an interesting topic it it it, it's just a testament to how far we've come in our our relationships with animals I was listening to CBC our our Canadian uh, broadcast company uh radio show the other day were you listening to it did you hear this no oh I thought this was
1: going to be the story you told me when you were here once before you shared one story with me about oh. listening to the show. No, Sorry, this is a Karen. different story. It's
2: actually just the other day. In okay. Sweden, um, they're they're working on labor laws for working dogs. So these are dogs that work in the healthcare field. So they're uh, dogs that go into the hospital, uh, therapy dogs for people, um Uh, horses that work in uh, therapy work to come up with some rules and regulations about how many hours they can work how much time they need off how many hours they can go without being fed uh, what are the the physical restrictions that uh, should be tolerated shouldn't be tolerated they had one example where should the dog be so submissive and quiet that it would allow a wheelchair to run over its tail That was just an example they gave. Did they think that was a reasonable thing to include in a criteria for a job description? Well, probably not, right? But these are just examples of things that they were considering putting into legislation in their country. And I thought, wow, isn't that awesome? And then they had a conversation with some folks uh, from Canada where this legislation is just being considered. I thought, what a wonderful world we live in uh, where we are considering the well-being of working dogs, and horses and cats.
0: That's exciting.
2: Isn't that exciting? Yes.
0: I, you know what? Like I, I have to believe that it's not just Parker. Um, cause I know he was for sure, for sure brought into this world with a purpose. Um, he will poke my door open when i have a client in there and insist on working mm-hmm. and i like th- mm-hmm. i think that speaks volumes to the purpose of a soul mm-hmm. right where they they will push down boundaries to make sure that they do what they need to do mm-hmm. and it it happens not just in extreme cases not just traumatic cases um although i've seen those too but just where he'll sit at their feet mm-hmm. you know and it allows them to cry or they'll sit at their feet he'll sit at their feet and it allows them to smile mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's just so much enthusiasm and desire
2: to, to have that purpose. Mm -hmm. That's great. And then our need to respect what it takes out of them for them to do that as well. When
1: Parker has his work days here, um, we make sure that he's walked Mm -hmm. and that he, not just the food and the, the, the things that are his right, Mm -hmm. his, his, his water and food, that's his Right. But to make sure that he has his play time, his pack mm-hmm. time, uh, with Tom and running with the dogs in the bush, mm-hmm. that he's able to exercise and do his walks, but he he ne- or be brushed out and relaxed. That's right. But that he's cared for as much as we care for ourselves, and people have to know that they have to know that, you know. We've talked about in the past about having trampolines in the house and hoops, and how Kelly and I do Zumba or we do dance in the kitchen and we take care of ourselves between clients, mm-hmm. not just at the end of a week or the end of a month or the end of the day, but during the day. And that we consider that Parker needs the same thing as mm-hmm. us.
2: That's right.
0: And I'd like to include silence in that in yes. space yeah. and, like I mean you're when you go into proper training with, with animals they, they tell you to keep a cage even if they're or a crate even if they're not in it all the time the door stays open it's their safe place and Parker will wander in and out of it when he needs his alone time mm-hmm. hands don't go in it he doesn't get poked or prodded or pet mm-hmm. um, and even still if he jumps up on the couch sitting next to us but wants to move away from us he's not held down he's not held in a position to cuddle um, when he indicates that he needs his time and his space alone he's given that Mm -hmm. that's also his right as much as as you know karen and i communicate together and say can you get out of the house for the night i need it to myself we we offer that to our pet this is true (laughs) we do check in with each
2: other as housemates (laughs) that's just on a totally different topic (laughs) but we do check in oh everybody needs their alone time yeah everybody does yeah yeah I wasn't sure where I was going. That was an interesting segue into that um, about all everybody. My needing... alone time. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we leave now? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I think is really important about animals in this day and age, animals in our home, is as as we move further and further into technology, we become farther and farther from nature as part of our everyday. And uh, pets bring us closer to that. Right, they take us. They're an excuse for us to get out in the natural world. For one thing, go for a walk, hop on your horse and go for a ride. Maybe not with our cats so much, but some people maybe. Um, Or even interacting with animals, going out and looking for animals in the wild, bird watching, um, whatever. And also that, that that we have animals living in our homes. We have a little piece of nature living in our homes. That could be fish in a fish tank. That could be bird in a cage. That could be guinea pig, or that could be a couple of dogs running around. We have something from the natural world living with us. And I think that connects us, reconnects us um, to that part of ourselves. Well, you hit the nail on the head because we're more and more
1: disconnected with the technology. Mm -hmm. Even though it's connecting us more in some ways, it's disconnected us Mm -hmm. too. You could all be, you could have five or six people in a family in a home and they're all in separate rooms, all on pieces of technology. That's true. Um, Or all sitting together in one, but focused on it and never talk to each other or never feel things together. Mm -hmm. And that your pet does bring you back to some of that it reminds you you got to get up and get out and do things that's right
0: yeah did you want to leave it there sure yeah that's an hour well we're at 40 minutes wow Wow. yeah i loved the topic thank you so karen thank you for your time oh no problem i know you know these podcasts go out to everyone for free and they're so exciting for us to do but we've got yourself and, and many other professionals who come in and we very much appreciate the time you take um, and, and the knowledge that you share as well.
2: Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to hear people's comments or questions about, about the human animal bond in general, because everybody's got different perception and it's fun to hear everybody's thoughts on it.
0: And fun stories too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, perfect segue. Um, if you do have questions or comments on today's podcast or any of the previous ones that Karen has done as well, you can email us at info at Um, we thank you for listening, Karen. We thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. And, uh, we will talk to you guys next Saturday.